0: Maybe I didn't know as as much about those players as I knew about the rising players, which is maybe why I I didn't have them in that top three initially.
1: I leave no comment. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I like your rankings, those are valid rankings, I hear you. Ah, I can't wait to get on the field and actually do it, you know? Welcome to episode five of the
0: PUL Podcast. I am your host for this Episode. My name is Eileen Murray from New York Gridlock Ultimate, and I'm going to be joined by Maddie Purcell from Portland Rising. Hey, everybody. All right. So, in the podcast today, we thought it would be fun to bring two teams from the Eastern Division on for a conversation to talk a little bit about our organizations. I know I'm personally really excited to hear a little bit more about Portland Rising and just the way that it took off and the things you've been doing this season because they've been amazing. And then at the end, we can have some conversation around the rest of the teams in our division and maybe talk about some interesting storylines that we've seen in terms of the rosters. How does that sound?
1: Sounds good. There's a lot to talk about. (laughs) Even without playing right now, you know, (laughs) I know. So I am really excited. So Maddie and I
0: have been on the board together now for, you know, for several months, but have never really been able to have a conversation like this. So I'm personally really excited to get to know you and your organization a little bit better. Uh, So I really appreciate that uh, you were willing to do this with me today.
1: Yeah, likewise. And, um, you know, one of the coolest things for us at Rising joining the league is having our nearest geographical neighbors also be folks who are like, you know, hey, here's how we figured this out with contracts before or something like that. And Um, helped us not reinvent the wheel on every single facet of bringing a team into the league. So I'm grateful for the leadership of New York and excited to be in this league together.
0: I think that is one before we get talking specifically about the division. I just want to say that one of the things that I really appreciate about the premier ultimate league is the openness and transparency teams have with their processes. uh, And You know, like I know last year in 2019, when we were putting our stuff together, I mean, we had to put together in like six to nine weeks, right? And so it was just really kind of crazy. And the teams who had already done it were super helpful. And so we definitely were really wanted to, you know, pass it on. What is it? Pay it forward, right? (laughs) Forward and uh, provide because that's what we're trying to do here, support each other and just lift everybody else up. So I just appreciate that with the league in general.
1: Yeah, likewise. And it feels like there's a lot of room and energy to be creating um, on everything as we go. So, you know, paying it forward, but then also being able to contribute uh, in terms of what Portland wants to bring to the league and how that is, you know, in line with what's been there before and maybe their ideas to grow on some parts of it. Um, it's definitely uh, one of the most collaborative organizations I've been a part of, especially for something that is, you know, we only meet on bid chat. So. It's been cool to, to get started and have Zoom be such a big part of how we know each other. I know. Even before we were in quarantine. Right, right. Well, that's a good segue into
0: talking a little bit about your organization. So, you know, you said one of the things is this feedback loop, right? So like you, you've you got some information and then you've been improving upon different things that we've been using. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the formation of your team and the I don't know th- were there any like interesting decisions you had to make or you know what happened when you started to think about this and just in terms of how you were forming your team in the first place?
1: Well uh you were saying the f- the first year you joined it happened real fast. It felt like it was happening extremely quickly for us too um just in terms of uh how fast we were building an organization. I know a couple of the new teams were in talks with the league for several months leading up um and we turned around in basically a month. Um, And then found out we were in the league mid-November and had like two weeks until it became public knowledge. So in that time, we were creating the whole business and the brand and choosing a name and um, what we wanted it to be representing. And uh, both Chloe and I, my uh, co-owner, have run businesses uh, in other parts of our lives. And so what we did was I think we found out we got the team on Wednesday. We cleared our schedule for Friday, sat down, and we're like, all right, what's Portland we didn't have the name yet, but what's Portland Rising going to be? Um, How do we want to make our decisions? What's driving this? Um, And one of the things that we settled on right at the beginning was setting a professional standard and grateful, but not satisfied. Um, And those two things have fed into pretty much every decision we've made since. Um, And for us, a lot of the time, what that means is like boy, is it amazing to have this opportunity and to get to do this thing in the premier ultimate league and, um, represent main ultimate and women X's ultimate players and, um, all this talent in the upper corner of the Northeast in a way that hasn't been before, but also it's not enough just to get to be here and like put on some okay games. Like we want to commit to, um, paying our players and people in the organization for every bit of their value and, um, you know, In a city like Portland, Ultimate's a big part of the, not the like main culture, but just adjacent, and we think that you have this opportunity to make Ultimate sort of a, a mainstream sport here, and where does it go from there? So um, from the beginning, we really set a commitment for thinking big um, in terms of business and in terms of brand building, and uh, obviously things have gone a little bit awry, and now it's an opportunity to figure out how we're doing that even without the games that we planned this spring. Right. So
0: that's interesting. So I've been up to I lived in Boston for several years and had gone to Maine for clam bake and and met with some Maine players and and things like that. And it does seem to be an integral part of the culture. But I see how you how you're saying it's adjacent. One of the things that I know that's happening in the Northeast is a couple of years ago, Vermont, the Vermont legislature had ultimate listed as a varsity sport. When you say become more part of the main culture, is that kind of something that you think you might be looking towards or that you think Rising could help facilitate?
1: There's a little bit of that. Definitely the youth programs have exploded under Maine Ultimate, which is our nonprofit disc league um, and an excellent partner for Rising. They The schools, I think we are at like 53 high school programs and about 30 middle school, um, which in the state of Maine, is, those are significant numbers. <laughs> um, But uh, also just even on like a a cultural level, like our, so our our minor league uh, baseball teams, the Sea Dogs, everyone goes to the Sea Dogs a few times in the summer. Um, But there's this opportunity without, uh, maybe without a major league sports team or with this opportunity to showcase women athletes on uh, the professional level to really make it a part of the city of Portland's um, DNA going forward. And there's been a ton of support uh, all around the state, but especially here in Portland for promoting rising as part of why people come to vacation land.
0: Yeah, and what I thought was really interesting when I look at your your roster, I like how it's not, what you said earlier was about the upper corner of the Northeast, and even though rising is situated in Portland, it looks like you really have expanded your reach, similar to what New York Gridlock Ultimate has done in terms of not just picking people that are in New York City, but thinking about more broadly the, the supporting areas, and it looks like you've done a lot of the same things. Um, there are a couple of people on your team that I was really excited to to play against. Um, you know, Rachel Kramer, and i just to be totally honest, I like fangirl her all the time. So I've done some commentating for a brute squad and I always bring her up. So she, you know, and she was in Atlanta, Georgia when I was there. So it's like I've known her for a really long time, but I was so excited to see her on the roster. Um, Lori moving to Vermont, having her pick up. I coached her uh, many years ago on the Beach Worlds team. And what an amazing teammate and player to have on your team. And then Yuga, uh, who had played with Bent and is now in uh, Boston, being on the U24 team. I mean, you're picking up all of these amazing people and bringing them into Portland. Um, I was wondering how you decided how you were going to do that geographic diversity and what went into your decisions around that.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm glad you bring them up. And I'm excited to talk about gridlock's out-of-state players in a little bit, too. But um for rising when chloe and i sat down that friday to figure out what this organization was going to be one of the things that was really important to us and one of the questions we got most frequently once people found out that the franchise was coming to town was people were like oh is it going to be just you know the top boston players playing in portland or is it going to be exclusively main players only like are we drawing a, a line around the state and it was really important to chloe and i from the beginning that it was neither of those two things it was highlighting the excellent talent that's in Maine, um, and especially that's been playing in Maine and hasn't gotten uh, the spotlight shined on it in the same way, but then also bringing in these incredibly talented people from outside the state to elevate the community here, um, and to bring those two things together. And uh, for you know, decades and decades, there's been this trend of top Maine women's players. Uh, going to play in Boston and helping win titles there but no one has been recognizing their contribution you know there's two or three main players on every one of those teams Um, and but it's been seen as, as Boston as the hub and so now there's this opportunity to sort of like change the direction people are driving on the highway and put a little bit of the spotlight on the main side of it too.
0: Can you uh, talk a little bit maybe about one or two of those main players who have been contributing that you were able to sweep onto your roster?
1: Yeah. um, Chloe is one of them. She's been with Siege in Boston for a couple of years and was part of their first run to nationals in 2019. Um, Caitlin O'Connell is a great example of that. uh, She's been playing in Maine for a season and a half now, um, but she was living in Maine and commuting down to play with Brute Squad in I'm gonna get the years wrong, but uh, several of the top years. Um, and uh, Amelia Ski Maker is another one. She's been with Slow White for a couple of years. Um, Rachel Kramer moved to Bo- moved to Portland recently, but has a deep history with the Boston teams. Um, and one of the things that was fun is in our our tryout application, hearing uh, many of the Boston players who haven't spent as much time in Portland, putting that as a part of a reason that they wanted to be competing. In this state um, and getting to spend more time in Maine, so we're hoping that you know we're we're building the ultimate community here from the inside out and transplanting people in. And if they happen to move here in the next couple of years, you know that's that's just fine. That'll be fine with us.
0: Well, I love Portland, Maine. It is such a beautiful city and such a nice community. Um, you have a lot to offer there. And I, you know, this year you were going to come to New York, but in 2021. You know, who knows what the schedule is going to be like? Maybe we can come up there because I would love to spend more time up there for sure. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Were you able it's, to get partners and stuff like it looks like you had already started
1: to ramp that up? Yeah, we've had some pretty significant support. Um, the Um We've sat down with the owners of all the other sports teams in town to, again, Avoid reinventing the wheel. Um, and the Sea Dogs ownership has been really helpful. Maine Ultimate has been an incredible partner from the beginning. Um, and obviously, we have incredibly aligned goals with growing the sport of Ultimate, especially on the women's and girls' side. Um, and then uh, I'm pretty closely tied to the hospitality industry, and we have a great beer culture here in Portland, um, great food culture. So, we were in talks with several um, significant partners there but also just business in Maine is a community endeavor and it's like one degree of separation. So uh, being able to sit down with people at, you know, the, the publicly traded companies and the breweries and the other sports teams and say, hey, we've got this thing happening. There's a, this is a movement as well as uh, an entertainment opportunity and a marketing opportunity. Um, there were a lot of people who got on board right away and who I think still will get on board when, we're, uh, when we know exactly what we're offering going forward. Yeah, that's really interesting.
0: I think that's one of the main differences I see between a market like New York and a market like Portland, Maine. And one of the things that really fascin- fascinates me about the PUL is the fact that the markets are so different. And so, you know, in a place like New York City, it's it's not like that, right? Like that the, 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 the community partnership and, you know, trying to meet with those people, is a, it, it's a lot more challenging for us, I think, in ways. And also you know, like we're just actually finding field space, right? Where are we even gonna have our games and things like that? And it's certainly not gonna be in Manhattan. And so if we pick a satellite location, you know, what happens, like how do we form partnerships near that particular location, which is maybe different than when we practice, which is different where everybody lives. There's all these kind of interesting challenges uh, around that. I don't really have a question, but it was just something that I was I was thinking about in terms of our two organizations.
1: I'd honestly listen to a full podcast on how every team in the PUL handles fields and what the specific challenges are. I mean, for us, we're inside for, like, we we haven't, we would be going outside, I think, last week for our practices. And so the rents on those indoor turfs are uh, a significant part of the budget. Um, yes. But, you know, we're pretty centralized in hearing about where New York t- is going to put its games and how that actually something interesting we had on fields this year is we were going to play our uh, last regular season game in Boston, um, which opens up uh, different opportunities in terms of partnerships and marketing and things like that. Um, Part of it was that the fields in Portland were already booked by the time we got the team for that particular weekend. Um, And although we can get the fields, there aren't that many of them. So if they're gone, they're gone. But then also it was Boston Invite Weekend, which happened to be really early this year. And so a lot of the main ultimate community, um, our goal is to reach far beyond existing ultimate players, of course, but a lot of our core existing fan base was already going to be in Boston. We were going to be able to draw people from across the region and into Canada. Um, So we're putting on a showcase there. Um, If we were going to get more into a fields discussion, I'd talk more about that one. We'll save it.
0: Interesting. And I love that idea. We were actually planning to have our first game, which was against DC Shadow. It was in DC, but it was Fools Fest weekend. And so we were going to do something similar. We're going to have a showcase at Fools Fest for the same reasons. If everyone from DC and the surrounding areas are going down to Fools, you might as well have the game there and and be able to draw upon that crowd. And because DC Shadow is also a new team, it was seemed like a really nice opportunity for them to have a big splash into the community and to to garner a lot of support. Uh, so yeah, we were planning on going down to Fredericksburg to play that first game. That would be pretty nice early April. Yeah. And I love Fool's Fest. It's a fun, it's a fun tournament. Um, So, uh, you know, like, maybe we can now rep a little bit about the other teams. I already just brought up DC DC Shadow. um, But, you know, I... So to, to be honest, so Maddie and I, we were going back and forth through these uh, emails about planning for the podcast, and she said something about doing homework, looking at at rosters, and I completely freaked out at that point, because I was like, I don't I want to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. So I went through and looked at the different rosters to just try to identify things that I thought might be interesting or, or noteworthy, um, and... So I don't know how you want to do this. I don't actually care. We could start talking about DC Shadow or start by talking about our teams. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Uh, sure. We're on Shadow. Let's stay there. There's a lot to talk about. They've got an interesting roster.
0: No, they really do. So you when when you first looked at it, I don't know, what did you what did you think were your initial ideas about interesting storylines and things?
1: Well, it's hard to miss Jenny Faye, front and center. Um And I feel like I've watched Jenny for so long um, be the quarterback and the doer for her team. I was re-watching an All-Star Tour game versus Scandal um, a little while ago. And just thinking about Scandal in that uh, championship time period, watching her do so much. Um, But then there's so many other people on the roster who can play significant roles. And I'd be interested to see, um, how, how shadow runs its subbing and its play calling and things like that with someone like Jenny, but then there's also, um, you know, Carolyn Normile, you have to put right up at the top of the conversation and so many receivers that I'd be interested to see if if they're looking to be shooting all the time or, um, what, what their on-field looks like. They'd be an interesting one to scout. Yeah, I agree. And, and I also noticed that
0: and this is very similar to I to I think many of the teams, not all the teams, but I feel like there's there's the teams like you know New York Gridlock or Shadow um, and um, Rising where we're pulling from many different club teams. Right. And then there are the, the other teams like, you know, a radiance or, um, you know, possibly Atlanta soul that are a little bit more tied to one club team, for example. Um, so for shadow, I saw, you know, you have your Jenny, your Jenny Faye and, and your Ashley Sylvester and your Hannah Boone from space heater. And then you have your, your scandal players like Caroline Normile, but then you also have your Christine Valvo and your, your, uh, Um, Lauren Allen. And then you have a bunch of players from Grit, and Grit has been such an interesting story. Um, They had a great run this year. They're, you know, bringing in people and really, I think, raising the level in DC in a way that I think is really exciting for that city. Um, But, you know, I know one of the struggles we had on New York gridlock was how do you get all of those systems in place? And so I think your question about like, what would they do is a really interesting one. Because you have a Jenny Fay who you know might be used to a particular thing. Do you then say, let's build it around that? Or do we try to, I don't know, do something different, use her in a different way?
1: Yeah, Definitely a lot of experience in the coaching staff. Um, I could see that being kind of a deep playbook type of team. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other player on the roster that I remember from a few years ago, I haven't seen play in a while, is Kate Trennery. Um, I remember as being a really dynamic popper type of player um and so just looking at some of the names on the roster I don't recognize and being that was one of my favorite parts of the PUL last year was watching um people I didn't know and then grew to have enormous respect for over the course of the season I think there's a lot of potential for that in shadow
0: yeah and I wonder if you know a team that you know maybe had like being a new team I think it's hard because you have to figure that out pretty quickly and I wonder what way that would Benefit them because other teams wouldn't be able to scout them as easily, um, and how much it would like maybe like there would be like a steep learning curve for them.
1: Yeah, it was uh, fun as a new team to think about the role of scouting and how it's different in the PUL compared to other um, organizations where we have this uh, relative advantage going in of being totally unknown. Um, and so how do you choose when you're rolling things out and uh, are you saving things that maybe you've seen other teams do obviously with coaching turnover on some of the rosters, um, it might all change anyway, but, uh, it's, it's fun to have that scouting piece of the puzzle in ultimate in a way that we haven't in Portland before.
0: Yeah. But then like, so, but if we look at a team like pride, for example, you know, they, they have 16 new players out of a 27 person roster um, one of the players who played last year is now going to be one of the coaches. Um, so Elaine, Elaine Wetley has, you know, experience with the team, but the other coach was, I don't think was part of the team last year. And so that's, a, so even though we have this video of pride, I wonder how much, how much that would actually help with the scouting because, you know, more than half the team is, is new this year for them.
1: Yeah. And also, I think their main playmakers has probably changed. Um, uh, Sadie Jazerski stays on, but even just changing out Sophie Knowles for Paige Soper is a huge dynamic change. And uh, Paige, I think, is another one that you could run a team through and have Jazerski as the release. Um, but do you choose to do that or are you making a full roster contribution type of play staff?
0: Right, and, and then how do you fill those holes? Like, how do you fill the the Sophie the Sophie Knowles hole, right? Um, and the other people that were their playmakers that wound up leaving. And I, I wonder if there was, you know, thought in terms of their roster, in terms of how they're going to do it, because it also looks like a pretty young team.
1: I One think. player I've really admired in the college division that I'd be excited to blow up in the PUL with pride is Domenica Sutherland. Um, could see her playing a huge role um regardless of who the the shot takers are. Yeah. Yeah. And she's she
0: is part of the like cluster from Pittsburgh that Columbus was able to draw this year. And so, you know, there is there's several I think wait, let me count one, two, three, four, five, six new players from the Pittsburgh area who are living currently living in Pittsburgh.
1: Wow, that's significant. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I saw that uh, Gridlock picked up at least one Pride player in Martha Gregory. I know she's had New York roots for a long time, but um, as a new team, I have no idea what it's like when someone transfers from one PUL team to another. What's that been like on your end?
0: Well, yeah, so, you know, Martha, you know, it does have New York roots. And so the reason why she was playing with Pride is because she was there for the year, but she did play the club season with Bent. Uh, and now she is back full time in New York and we have her on the roster. You know, it's it's interesting, but, you know, you know, I would probably pick that player's brain a little bit in terms of, you know, what do you know? But again, with pride being so new with so many changes, we would get some information, but I don't know like how much that would actually actually like help us with our scouting. And so, you know, with the team, you know, in the early games, I know it's harder to like scout the teams, and you just have to go with what you said, like we know what they do in the other divisions, we can watch other film and stuff like that. But knowing like the whole kind of strategy, what to do against them, mostly what we try to do is then just focus on ourselves and what we can do as a team, right? And then as it later in the season, especially when it reaches the playoffs, then we can say, all right, so what are we gonna do for this particular team and for these
1: particular players?
0: But yeah, we were, we, we stole, we stole uh Martha which was really nice. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was really fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Those backhands that you just can't stop, the the break backhand, you put your mark all the way around her and somehow she still hooks it through you. I
0: know, that's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, so another team that had a huge amount of turnover, uh, who also is a, a pretty young team is the National Nightshade. And so, again, totally new coaching staff. Um, They have only 12 returners from last season. And I know that they have a young team. um, And, you know, and again, I think it would be hard to plan. We didn't get to play them last season. So we're really looking forward to playing them this season. Um, And again, like, I don't know how much the, the film would have been helpful for this year planning against them.
1: Yeah. We, um, we had put together a scouting package on Nashville. It was our first game. We were starting there April 11th. Um, and uh, so, you know, we knew everything from last year pretty well, but I, as I recall, they were still hiring coaches uh, pretty close to the start, at least the preseason. Yeah. Um, and so thinking of what that staff is going to put into the team in a short period of time, uh, we were expecting some pull plays and things like that, but, um honestly, we're going to learn a lot that first game, both about what it feels like to play in the pros and also who are these players and what are they going to do on the field?
0: Yeah, what, so what did you do? So for your scouting report, did you just look at the old games or did you do a little bit of detective work around the other players who were on the roster?
1: It was primarily old games from last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of the new coaches... Uh, is Abby Roberts. And Abby is an old teammate of mine from Ozone fame. And so i uh, I was able to speak with her a little bit before this before the season changed. So dramatically we were talking. And, you know, just this idea, and I know this is something that i I had to work through the first couple of years I was coaching pros what is the timing like and how do you make decisions what kind of strategy can you implement in such a short period of time with a limited number of hours together as a team so we had a lot of interesting conversations around that and i was really excited to see what she, her and her coaching staff were going to do like you said what was the you know it, it is really fast right what like each team maybe has like three to five practices before their first game and they're all coming from different teams. So what can you implement in that time? And with such a young team, I was anticipating to see, like you said, like basic pole play, you know, maybe a couple of like, you know, really try to settle down on some basic defenses and things like that. I mean, I wonder if that, that would be the extent to which, which you could do before that first game.
1: I have been impressed with uh, Nashville's social and the way that the players are showing up there. It seems like they've uh, either got players who individually have something special to share or they've built a culture um, in a pretty short amount of time. Um, and, you know, who knows what you can tell from social media, but it seemed like there was a lot of fun and a lot of energy among even the new players on the roster. So um, when we do get to play, excited to see what they put together. Yeah. I was,
0: yeah, I I would anticipate a lot of like young energy and and fierce defense and and really giving, really giving other teams a hard time if I was anticipating. I would really need to lock down my offense when we were playing against them for sure. So that, you know, another young team um, that is also in the South is Raleigh Radiance. And, you know, we played them in the semis last year, lost by one in double overtime. Just recently watched that game again. I hate it every time I watch it. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, like their team, you know, they're ones who have a little bit less turnover. They have seven new players, but they do have a new coaching staff. And the other thing that's interesting to note, I think is that, and I said this earlier, is that a lot of their players are on the same club team, Phoenix. And the ones that they've added who maybe aren't Phoenix, have that kind of experience. So you look at like a Claire Revere, right, who was in the 2016 All-Star Tour, was the U24 mixed nationals team. You know, I imagine that, you know, even if she hasn't been in the Phoenix club system, a player like that has a high enough ultimate IQ that they can come in and be able to participate and be a playmaker right from the very beginning.
1: You got to think with losing um, Rebecca Fagan and Pitt Flea that adding someone like Claire Veer to stretch the field and just go collect some goals is uh, something that Radiance was happy to add to the roster this year.
0: Yes. I was actually surprised to see Fagan off, off the roster. And then, and then Lisa, of course, goes over to Revolution, which right. like they need it. But anyway.
1: <laughs> At some point, it's got to be too many stars, right? Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, you know, someone I'm really excited about on the Radiance roster is Ella Youngst. Um, really enjoyed watching her highlights from YCC and a little bit of college. Um, could see her being maybe 2020's in Worth from the Raleigh squad. Someone who's doing it all um, and uh, gets, gets a lot of fan support. Um, and then uh, Tyler Smith is another one that I've really enjoyed in the college scene. Be interested to see how Tyler's like cool, calm handler style uh, if it's able to transfer into the pro league right away. Um, But someone I think already has a lot of chemistry with a lot of players on this roster and could be another breakout type star for Raleigh.
0: Yeah. And I think having, you know, someone like Jesse Jones on the roster with Tyler is really helpful because... You know, it is different. It's a different game. It's a different feel of different speed and things like that. But I, I see Jesse as, as similar in terms of being like calm, cool, collected and be able to do that. So having her as a mentor on that team, I would imagine that Tyler would be able to, you know, come on and, and be able to adjust to the pace of the pro game a little bit more easily.
1: Yeah. Having a mentor like Jesse Jones is nothing to sniff at. <laughs> I was really interested to see um, the coach
0: uh, leaving Eddie Alcorn, because I know, you know, he had such a huge impact. He's a great coach and such a a huge impact. Um, And I, 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 to be honest, I don't really know um, a lot about the other coaches that are coming on. But I just I thought that I was wondering what kind of impact that would have on the team.
1: Honestly, um, from being a fan of the PUL last year to halting the season before we got to play this year, I'd say coaching is the area I'm least familiar with. Um, I know a couple coaches personally in their style, just from experience in the club division, but, uh, I, seeing the impact of coaches on the team and honestly, what our Portland rising coaching staff was able to put together, even in just the four practices that we had, um, before we postponed things was, uh, pretty awesome with the amount of, of resources and, um, and scouting and things like that, that is available in the pro league. Um, but I I have no idea what that means for Radiance to have the coaching staff switch up, and I'd be interested to learn. Yeah, and you know, speaking
0: of your coaches, I think that that definitely is some a strength uh, of your team. You know, beyond your you know great roster, the coaching staff. When I saw that, I said, "This is this is going to be a formidable opponent, right?" Because of that coaching staff that you have, you know, and. I think that, you know, especially uh, with Courtney, having somebody who has had a lot of experience in high pressure kind of single game format is really helpful. It, again, the time is a little bit different, but I thought Courtney's knowledge of that kind of game format was going to be really helpful for your team.
1: I could not believe how well um, Anne and Courtney clicked right away. Um, with their like different experiences, they did have one overlap. I believe they both played on the same world's team coached by Jason Adams in like mm, 2014 or something like that uh, in Italy. But other than that, you know, pretty separate careers and light buddy was in uh, Minnesota for a while. Um, definitely part of the older guard who's done a lot to build up the ultimate communities in New England and uh, New Hampshire and Maine. Um, but the chemistry that they brought to the playbook and to practices and chalk talks from the beginning, um, then we added Andrew Applegate, especially as a video specialist, um, and putting those skills together was something we were, uh, feeling with, with them at the helm, feeling pretty confident going into the first season on a fast timeline.
0: Yeah, I I would be too, if I were you, that's a, that's an amazing coaching staff. Well, so, um, we haven't talked about my roster a little bit. Um, I don't know. We, you know, if we're talking about coaches, so uh, myself and Isaiah Bryant are coming back as returning coaches and we had two other coaches who had to leave for various reasons. And we picked up Zara Cadeau um, who has been a tremendous asset to our team. Um, one of the best things that, uh, you know, she was able to bring to us is just her her ability to help us think through individual player feedback and also how to really help us strengthen our team culture. And, you know, I'm, I'm sad that, you know, obviously we can't like continue with the, our plan that we had, but even just knowing that we had this additional layer of support, um, I was super excited to be able to, to work with her and see what would happen on the field.
1: <laughs> it's, one of the things i've uh, been appreciating about ultimate more and more especially as we've gotten rising off the ground is the access to legends and Vermeer Zara definitely falls into that category <laughs> yeah. and we're also
0: a team that has you know uh players from a bunch of different places and so um and we didn't have a tremendous amount of turnover we had um, seven players not return, which which was you know similar to Radiance, and so we didn't have a huge amount of turnover. And in the, with the people that we brought in, two were practice players last year, so they were already familiar with what we were doing. Martha had experience in the PUL before, and then we picked up three uh, additional amp players. We had already started with Linda Morse and um, Drede Sabado, and you know, and then they brought in a couple more of their players, and then we picked up um, Casey Gorman from scandals. So Amy, Amy Jao, who is one of our captains this year, her teammate from scandal. And then we picked up two bent players. And so even though we have a bunch of different players, we still have like some built-in chemistry, um, surrounding these, these teams in the area. So yeah, I was really excited about our roster this season.
1: <laughs> I was, uh, very excited to, to see yours play. I mean, you had so many of the pieces from last year. Um, like Tulsa and Cassie running things and um, adding someone like Raha to that. Uh, um, I didn't realize Casey Gorman was also a scandal player. It seems like uh, New York and D.C. have a little bit of a, a trade thing going on. I don't know if you've actually sent anyone down to D.C. yet. Oh, Christy Kelly. Yes.
0: <laughs> so Christy Kelly started the D.C. shadow team. She was one of the players that left. And, you know, speaking in terms of, of the P.U.L., like, we 100% en- encouraged Christy to do that and tried to help her as much as possible. As much as we hated to see her go, you know the, the it's the whole is much more important than this the you know the part. And so we were just really excited to to see that be able to go. She's a great leader. She's I think been great on the board. Um, and we were able to keep her partner Wei Gao. So we were I was afraid she was going to take her and but she didn't. So that was good. <laughs>
1: Um so if you w- were looking at your roster before the season you were like this is the player from New York that's going to blow up this year. Who do you think it would have been?
0: Oh, that is such a great question. Well, so, you know, if I've, I had to pick a new someone who is new to the roster, um I was really excited to see Natalie Bova play in the women's division with us. Um, you know, she's a she's a young player. She's been playing on AMP. Um, her energy and her enthusiasm and her ability to you know contribute on the field. I was really excited to see to see her blow up. Um, and you know, having someone like Raha, you know, and this this was going to be a really interesting puzzle piece, right? Because Raha could do whatever, right? She, you know, she and. We could tell her to do something and and she'd be able to do it. And so I, it was going to be really interesting to, to, for us to figure out as a team, where is she going to be the most impactful? Where do we need her the most? Um, and then to provide her that kind of focus. Because I think for a long time now, she has been that kind of Swiss Army knife for her team. And, you know, one of the things that we could have maybe helped with is, you know, how do you improve on perfection? Well, you know, you you really like, okay, so you're going to do this job for us and let's like grow this particular piece of your game even more. It was exciting for both sides. I think she was excited to have that opportunity. We were excited to see how her fit in, but I would imagine that she would have been all over our stack board.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, my uh, favorite piece of PUL social media, Ooh, that's a big, (laughs) maybe I shouldn't say that, but when uh, there was, Instagram story. There were Instagram stories implying that uh, perhaps some of the Revo players were coming to play for New York this year. Uh, uh, shoot, yeah, it was it was photos from tryouts, and I commented like, "What?" And uh, it was very coy responses, and it got me really excited for thinking about when we have free agency, and you know, these best players are uh, being courted by different teams and different programs, and we're building something. Um, there's a lot of a lot of exciting potential there.
0: Yeah, well, so we have, yes, there were a lot of the, the Colombian players were in New York for different reasons. And so they were like, can we come to try us? We're like, of course, you're only gonna raise the level of play. But yeah, I, and I loved that little that little bit. That's interesting you say that about the free agent though. So one of the things that um, Julie, my Connor, and I think about is how can we stay competitive and stay committed to our organization and be supportive for other organizations, you know, like like encouraging Christy to do this, this thing in D.C., you know, sharing different things. You know, when I talk to Abby from Nashville Nightshade, you know, talking, being very candid about what are different struggles and what are different things you can think about as coaching and stuff like that. And that's that sharing of knowledge. And I think about that, like, do we get to a point where there is a bidding war or things like that? And that would feel a little bit counter to the mission I, I don't I don't know what that would look like or feel like.
1: yeah, I guess maybe that's a a team versus league question um, where it could be extremely exciting to see player for fans to see players moving around the league and um, how that impacts competitiveness of games and things like that. Um, uh there's definitely, I think different teams maybe have different takes on geography already, um, depending on their situation. I mean, for us, it's so important to be highlighting um, some of the top main players as, as part of our mission. Um, whereas I, th- I think uh, the Monarchs have uh, very few people on their roster from Milwaukee, but they're pulling from three different cities around something like that. So there's already sort of philosophical differences. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, does it make the league even more watchable as it challenges teams to hold on to the players who are the core of their organization?
0: Right. And I think I, I, when you you brought up the the central division, and I think that's interesting because I see the regions are different, right? So when I look at Austin, right, like where are their regional competitors? They're like in Colorado, right? So they're like super far away. And when but when you're in the Northeast, everything's so close. So I think the closest we get to regional blurriness is our Philadelphia players because they are almost the same distance from DC as they are from New York. And so I know one of the things we thought about was, you know, we're not going to, you know, get into a bidding war or try to say anything about like, you know, DC shadow. What we did is we focused on what New York gridlock can provide their players and what our culture is, and that just make it as appealing as possible for people to want to be part of our organization without, you know, while also like saying like, and these other organizations are great, right? So it's like, you can't really go wrong. We want you here and this is what we can give you, but you know, but never like disparaging or, you know, like, you know what I mean? And so it feels, it feels different. And I, when I talk about it and people don't see it as the pro model, and I, and I think that's one of the ways the PUL is really pushing people to think differently about, so how do you woo players? Right, it's not about like your situation is bad here. You know, what? I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I'm trying to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I mean, uh, I think we had a couple players overlap between us for tryouts. I'm pretty sure we had several people. We did three rounds, and a couple people were like, "Hey, we're going to miss the second one. We want to check out New York too." Um, and uh, that was a positive for us too, because you know, if our, our organizations are going to be different, and if someone's a better fit in one than the other, um, cultures so huge, especially at these early stages and um, getting the right folks together in the right room, um, even if someone could be in addition to multiple different rooms, something that uh, hard to go wrong with the teams in the league right now. And I hope it stays that way. I know. I know.
0: So I don't know if you wanted to, I know the last time they did some sort of what they thought the division would shake out at. I don't know, you said earlier, you maybe weren't comfortable because we are both <laughs> on a team. So, uh, but I don't know if you wanted to do, did, do did we, did we want to try to do that?
1: <laughs> okay, so here's the thing for me. Um, when we got the team in Portland, we found that the national ultimate community had a lot of questions about that decision. They were like, why Portland, Maine? I don't get it. And we realized that Uh, Outside of New England, uh, folks didn't understand what the Ultimate community was like up here and um, how strong of a culture had been building, how the the organizational excellence of Maine Ultimate, who's been running top-notch tournaments for a decade now. Um, And so there's this opportunity to put a spotlight on it, but it also gave us the opportunity to be like, uh, you know, a little chip on the shoulder, like in a positive type of way, like why Portland, we'll, we'll show you, you know? And I think when the rosters came out, people were like, okay, I'm I'm seeing some things here. And uh, But without ever having played together, we still have that little bit of like, yeah, I don't care. Put us at the bottom.
0: We'll right. see you on
1: the field kind of thing. So uh, I think Portland's a contender, but I'm fine with people not thinking it until we prove it. Yeah. I
0: actually, when I when I was ranking, I thought that the top the three teams that would be in contention for the final spots were was New York, well, because I'm New York, but but Radiance because of their experience and lack of turnover and Rising, I thought I thought the tremendous amount of turnover with Pride and Nightshade would make them have more of rebuilding years and Shadows to me seemed maybe a little bit of a wild card and maybe I didn't know as as much about those players as I knew about the rising players which is maybe why I I didn't have them in that top three initially
1: I leave no comment (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome I like your rankings those are valid rankings I hear you ah I can't wait to get on the field and actually do it you know no I know You know, with the with the new announcement of
0: the fact that the season official season is not going to happen, you know, I'm still holding out hope that we will be able to play this summer against Portland Rising at some point as New York Gridlock Ultimate. I know we had already talked about it, and so I, for my own personal sanity, I am still holding out
1: hope that that is going to happen. And then, yes, we will see what happens on the (laughs) field. Yeah. 100%. That's where rising is too. We had maybe like three um, uncomfortable weeks of just total uncertainty after we postponed, you know, still unsure of how long it would take to uh, move forward after COVID and things like that. And then we we still don't have any answers. But uh, by the end of that three weeks of uncertainty, we were like, all right, we're moving forward under the assumption that we're playing as rising. And we don't know when, um, but uh, it's, it's been super encouraging to see our team latch onto that and, uh, you know, be at the team Zoom meetings and training and um, bringing their whole selves to this weird time of uncertainty. Uh, We've got, you know, people in healthcare and people just feeling weird at home and um, the whole range, but having that goal of moving forward towards it as Portland Rising, as it is now, is something that uh, we're, we're not giving up on unless there's no other way out.
0: That's amazing. Well, this has been super fun. I'm so excited we did this. Uh, And uh, so that wraps up episode five of the PUL podcast. I am Eileen Murray. And I was joined by Maddie Purcell from Portland Rising. And we look forward to seeing you on the next one.